0: You're listening to Every Last Drop Podcast. Join me, Danny, Nick, and sometimes Luke as we explore the relationship between philosophy and art. If you enjoy today's show and want to contribute to what we're doing, visit everylastdroppodcast.com slash contribute. We greatly appreciate your support. Enjoy the show. Music isn't cheesy, is it? Eh, I don't think so. Okay, good. I don't (laughs) even... just needed that affirmation. (laughs) What's up? I'm an artist. I need affirmation, people. Yeah. That's why I need you to go on iTunes right now and leave us a nice review. Mm -hmm. How about that? Or if you're an Android user and you listen on Stitcher? Yeah. Do the same thing. You know what to do. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Did you hear that? There was kind of a weird buzzing kind of noise or I don't um, know um going on there. A
1: little bit. I thought I heard it was like a phone, cell phone.
0: Must be. Interference. All this, all this technology.
1: It's killing us. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it over here. But.
0: Yeah, literally. Well, it's in my pocket. There we go. So we were having an interesting discussion off air that we just decided needed to be brought. Yeah. Needed to be brought on the air. Yeah. We were just talking about um, the differences between physically writing on, on paper, like actually writing out notes in a notebook and on paper yeah. versus just typing it out on your computer or on your phone, iPhone, Android, whatever. And I'm honestly the kind of person who likes, well, here's why I've always preferred doing things on with the technology, mm-hmm. because it's more efficient. I can Mm. type faster on my phone or on my computer than I can write with my hand. Without me. (laughs) Number one, I'm much faster at typing, number one. (laughs) Number two, it's with me wherever I go. So now with all this cloud technology, specifically I'm an Apple user, so if I type something in Notes on my phone in the native Apple Notes Mm -hmm. app, it is with me wherever wherever I go, basically. So... If there's some particular information that's important that I need to remember, mm-hmm. um, because my phone is with me wherever I go, that info is at my at my fingertips whenever I need it. Mm. Anytime I need it, it's it's there. Yeah. And the same is true with uh if I sit down to work at at my computer on my uh, you know, for whatever work I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so it's just, it's just more convenient. Yeah, that, that's interesting. See my I mean, argument. I do. I do. I I agree that it's all in one place if it's on your phone. But for me, I have a passcode on my phone because once I lost my phone and I was you know afraid. Oh, if I lose it, I don't want somebody to get in. So I have that. And I just I hate to like get it out, go through the passcode, you know, open the app. It's just it's a psychological thing for me. I rather just open a booklet. And also, when I when I'm writing something down, whether it be for a film, or an idea, or a project for for work for the whip shop, I'm oftentimes, in addition to actually writing ideas out, I'm drawing little pictures to remind me and, and different illustrations. And that's something that's, I mean, you you could do with apps, but I just prefer to just draw it out. And it's just personally for me a psychological thing. Like it's just drawings. are something I feel like that I have, you
0: do. with to accompany your yes. notes, uh huh, yeah, just to kind of that makes sense because you, things. yeah, when you're working on your whips and stuff like that, drawing things can really be yeah. beneficial for you. Yeah, see, that's where like I'm very much not artistic when it comes to drawing and basically, it, if it can be done on a computer, mm-hmm. i I can be pretty creative. Yeah, but if it requires like skill with your hands, I suck. I <laughs> totally suck. So I suck at building things. I suck at making sculptures. Physical. drawing. So you're yeah. more of a yeah. in the physical world. Okay. I, I'm I'm awful, but in the digital domain, I'm pretty talented. Hmm. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah I, for sure you are. Yeah, so it's interesting though. Yeah, it's it's to have, have both of those. You know, would be. <laughs> I wish
0: I I wish I had more like carpentry skills or something. And honestly, it's I don't want to make any excuses because if I just put the time in and educated myself it's totally within reach Mm -hmm. not that i could be a a great carpenter but i could learn to do basic things why not
1: yeah i I think a lot of the times uh you know working with your hands is not it's an acquired thing like if you if you practice you can become good at it a lot of people think well he's just naturally good and that's one thing it's kind of how we were talking about talent versus you know skill skill what do you know Hey, isn't that something that we yeah, mentioned
0: in this interview? It is.
1: Yeah, we we got an interview, yeah,
0: so yeah. Anyways, I wanted to. I had one last point that I wanted to make with regard to the taking notes and typing on your phone, computer, yeah, versus on paper. You asked me before we went on air. Well, if you th- if you don't prefer writing out things, uh-huh. then why are you going back to it? Because. Yeah, yeah because I know you guys can't see anything right now because we're audio only at the yep. moment, but just so that you guys know, I, my girlfriend just got me this nice little notebook to use because I told her that I wanted to start like taking notes as we were recording, whether we're interviewing a guest. Yeah. Yeah. Or, exactly. Uh, yeah. Whether, uh, whether we're going, yeah, just, uh, you know, us, you and me. Mm-hmm. And uh, to answer your question, I would say that the whole reason that I'm going back to this is because I, there's just something to be said about like the uh, the physical medium, like putting a pen in your hand and putting the pen to paper and writing things out, mm-hmm. something that passes through your brain first and then comes out in the form of your hand moving and mm-hmm. writing words... It's, there's just some kind of connection that's like firing off in your brain. Yeah. It just yeah. It makes you, I don't know, it just
1: makes me feel more connected to it's what I'm doing. It's more freeing for me, I think. It's just more <laughs> That's that's a good way to put it. You know? Uh
0: not not as much freeing for me. I think it just makes me feel more connected to okay. whatever I'm working on. Yeah. When I'm yeah. actually writing. Mm-hmm. Um there there's very much a disconnection that can happen with uh utilizing technology. Yeah. When you're just we're in the world of the screens you know mm-hmm. cuz we we're a society that loves to be on our phones constantly mm-hmm. and that loves to be on our computers and that loves to be on our tablets and watch yeah. TV shows
1: yeah and not to mention you when you're working off when you're you know working with your phone there's so many distractions there facebook is one one click away one tap away you know yes. so there's i think it's easier to just run into you know oh here I am working on this idea, and I'm on YouTube now. I'm on Facebook now, and Twitter, what, what have you? You know, so I think that's another, I guess, reason that I feel more focused when I just got a pen and a paper. Personally, right. personally, for me, no, I do, like, I do get very distracted. Me easily. too. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm
0: the, I'm the epitome of distraction. Oh, me too. I'm a person who's a, a susceptible to distractions. Mm. Even without the technology, but the technology just makes it that much worse. Oh yeah, that much worse. No kidding. Yeah. Like I, I can sit, I can have like my phone. Mm-hmm. I can I can be sitting in front of my iMac at home. Yeah. My, and uh, be doing something, and then pull out my phone and do something on my phone. Yeah. And twenty minutes later, yeah, uh, just go between the two, and I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm like. Submerged in technology yeah. right now. This is absurd. Yeah. So. Me too. Anyways, um, just a little food for thought, I guess. So, yeah, yeah I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. How do, what are your thoughts or your your feelings regarding? We'll just say the digital versus the analog, mm-hmm. the 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 physical hard mediums of writing out on paper or painting out on a canvas. Mm. Or even, like, what would be the uh, photography equivalent of going analog? Like, would you have to go all the way back to, like, the Polaroid
1: camera? Um,
0: Or would you just say anything that requires you to develop the film?
1: Yeah, maybe minimal, uh, post, you know, minimal editing, you know, no Photoshop, just I'm taking the picture, I'm printing it out Yeah, on a more simplified... I wouldn't say as far as going all the way back to... to, uh, Yeah, whatever it is. And let's say,
0: okay, and then the music equivalent, let's say, uh, instead of the synth or the uh, virtual instrument via MIDI, the acoustic guitar. Yes. Uh-huh. And the acoustic piano, whether it's the right. grand piano or the upright, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't you send us your thoughts? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, send us a voicemail or an email. Uh, you can find all that stuff on everylastdroppodcast.com. And there is a tab for contact and all that information is there. We'd love to hear from you. So, what are your thoughts and feelings regarding the analog versus the digital? Which do you prefer? Why do you prefer it? Uh, what works? What works better for you? Mm-hmm. So, Nick, you're probably more on the analog side.
1: Um, as well, it depends on what it is. Uh, as far as writing things, let's just I, say I wanted...
0: in general. Like, if you take everything that you do and and add it up to like the average, do you are you more weighted towards like if it was a scale mm-hmm. like a continuum let's say like on one hard end of the continuum you're like all digital that's all i do on the other side all physical mediums analog only yeah um, would you would you be straight in the middle or do you lean towards one side or lean towards the other just
1: overall out of everything i i probably lean towards towards analog to be honest because if i if i have an idea if i have an idea for a song lyrics a story or whatever i'm usually grabbing for a piece of paper and a pen I mean, to start with, for sure. I mean, eventually I'll move to the digital uh, medium, you know. But I think if I'm if I'm sitting down brainstorming, I got a pen and a paper, you know. That's my starting point every time. Gotcha. Yeah. I just feel more focused that way.
0: It's funny because I'm, uh, like I told you guys, I'm starting to write and take notes. Yeah. So I'm... It's a snazzy-looking notebook. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Um Sarah has good taste. So I'm doing something that's more analog right now, even though I would say I'm very much weighted towards the digital. Mm-hmm. I'm very much the digital. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, n- none of the, nothing that we've talked about in this conversation really has to do with what we went into mm-hmm. topics wise with uh, our guest. Our guest on this episode was Joe Gonzalez. He is uh he's a special guest for me because this guy isn't just a friend he's uh he's my former professor. Yeah. I only had him for one semester but when I was a college student uh back in uh I, this probably was 2014 uh I want to say. Oh my gosh. Back in go No, Food. no, I couldn't couldn't have been then. Yeah, I was a junior. I was, oh, my gosh. Dude, time flies, man. Seriously. Oh, oh my I gosh. Know. It's 2017. This was Crazy. like three years ago? Yeah. How can this be possible? Uh, okay. I don't like it. After a moment of some uh, self-reflection, <laughs> uh, so Joe is a former professor of mine, and he taught me fundamentals of graphic design and things like that, so mm-hmm. design principles and uh, everything I know about graphic design, I learned from him. And admittedly, I am definitely out of practice now when it comes to graphic design, because uh, I just don't use it very much. And mm-hmm. if you don't use it, you will lose it. Mm. But Joe's a really interesting guy because he he, he kind of stumbled upon graphic design, uh, I don't want to say accidentally, but it, he didn't, well, you know, you'll have a chance to hear a story, but. It's not a guy who, like, as a kid, he grew up thinking, when I grow up, I want to be a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. That's not at all what his mindset was. Like, it kind of... There were some steps along the way that, like, led to that. And it's a really interesting story. And uh, also, he just had a lot of good insight on how to handle... uh, How to handle balancing your creative side Mm -hmm. with uh, doing it professionally. Mm -hmm. Because... As a graphic designer, I think you're in a bit of a unique position. It's not like being a musician, per se, Uh, unless you're, you can be in a unique position as a musician where, uh, that rhymed, I wasn't even trying Uh. to go there, but (laughs) Uh, you could, as a musician, like, it's possible to, let's say, write music, uh, like, corporate jingles, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Where you're writing music for companies specifically. Get brave
1: and try a Hop Rock. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What's Hop Rocks? I don't know that company. Oh, yeah, yeah, Hop Rocks. Uh, Rusty Tusk Productions. (laughs) Yeah. YouTube. (laughs) It's a dead channel now. It is. It was fun while it lasted. It was. It was. Anyways. But
0: as a musician, you can be be someone who writes corporate jingles or writes for commercials or things like that. Yeah. Um, Most musicians aren't that. Uh, but as a graphic designer, I'd say the majority of them who do it for a living, mm-hmm. they aren't doing graphic design as their own self-artistic expression. Yeah, if they're doing it for a living, they're they're doing what their clients want, mm-hmm. and sometimes what their clients want happens to line up with what their artistic desires yes. are, and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, as a designer, you're going to do something for a client that you have that you are just really not that interested in. Yeah. Or perhaps you don't even like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. you might not like it that much. And maybe eventually when you get to be a big shot in the graphic design world, whatever that means, uh, you can start being more picky yeah. in terms of what projects you take on. Like if you sit down with the client for a meeting and you just totally are not uh, on board with what their vision is for the project. Right. Like, you don't like their brand. You don't like their image. You don't like what they're about. Mm-hmm. And you just... And you can be in that position to turn them down when uh, when you've sort of made it or arrived. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just constantly have demand. And you can... You have that luxury mm-hmm. to turn down pro- projects. But uh, I don't know. I think... And most graphic designers out there who are trying to do it as a job, I think they'd be happy to take on whatever yep. work comes their way, yep, even you know what yeah, I mean? if it's they don't
1: it's not it's just a little bit this way, you yeah, know, they're gonna and Joe
0: got into photography as well, by yeah. the way, yeah, which he talks about, uh and I think the same is true with photography, and you would know this, Nick because you do photography as well, mm-hmm. like if you get a job to do somebody's like let's say uh engagement photo shoot, yeah like let's be honest to you like that's. Does that does that scratch that creative itch it's, that you
1: have? You know, it's not as as fascinating to me as a you know EF four tornado on the ground, um, quarter of a mile away. No, precisely, but precisely. You know, that's where but, the money's coming. from. Yes, you know. but
0: if that's a gig and somebody's offering to pay you pretty good I'll money to do it.
1: it, I'll take it. You're gonna do it. It's smart to take
0: it. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, that's right. So yeah. so Joe had some good thoughts on how to balance those things out, among other things. But we've been going on for a while now, so we are just gonna cut this right off Yes, enjoy sir. Joe Gonzalez my former professor
1: and let us know what you think of him All Right? Yeah. do you have a question a quip, a grievance a greeting or anything else otherwise you want to share? Do you want a chance to have it featured on our show? Pick up your phone dial our number or send us an email our phone number is 916-382 2654 that's 916-382 Two six five four, and our email is every last drop podcast at gmail.com. Today, joining us in studio
0: here is uh, a special guest. He's actually uh, a former professor of mine when I was back in college. So, Joe, Mr. Joe Gonzalez, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having Good me. Good to have you, Joe. It yeah, makes man. me feel really old old <laughs> yeah back when i was in college back when i was in college back in the day a long time
1: ago it was only a couple of years ago
0: folks but seriously yeah so so yeah I, joe was my uh graphic design professor and uh everything everything i know about graphic design uh started with him so like he taught me the the principles and um i'm a little out of practice on graphic design <laughs> just to be honest uh i've i've only used it here and there yeah, you use it or lose it. Exactly. Unfortunately, but uh, I didn't forget everything. I'm just, I'm just rusty. Just the most important parts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I still remember like blank space and file yeah. open. Yeah. 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 <laughs> file save. Command S. <laughs> <laughs> Which, ironically, actually, all the software I use, it's that's pretty universal. Command S, you know. Hmm. <laughs> but I do that a lot when I'm working on projects. So. All right. So let's let's jump in. So you yourself, you're you. Would you call yourself a graphic designer or a graphic artist? Like, what's, what's, what's the term here?
2: Yeah, I would say graphic
0: designer. Designer, okay.
2: That's the most universal title, uh, even though that's pretty watered down now.
0: Yeah. Because the role of a graphic designer is so much more, but... It's a broad term, right? It is. But most people, they hear that and they have at least some kind of understanding of what that means. Yeah, good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, what is, what is graphic design then? How would you define uh, it?
2: I always define graphic design as um, the visual result of solving a problem. Uh, at every, nice. at every, uh, I guess everything that you create as a designer solves a problem. Whether it's a communication problem or uh, you're trying to sell something, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what it is, it's always solving a problem.
0: It's, at, so at the bottom line, it's problem solving in its purest form. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, that's pretty simple when everyone gets it. I guess it's, I was going to ask, well, why is it important? It's pretty important because you, solving problems is is nice. It's right. Something you I mean, do.
2: W- whether you're a vet or um, selling cars or selling books, I mean, no matter what it is, you need to be able to visually tell that story and to visually t- uh, solve that problem. Hmm. So it's our job as designers to find that solution.
0: Right on. Right on. So let's let's take it from the very beginning then, at least for you and your career or your, your life as a graphic designer. So when, when did you get started? Like just take us from the the beginning stages.
2: If I go back to the very, very beginning, I would have to say that it would start with my, uh, my dad owned a silk screening business back when I was a kid and What's I would that? sit, uh, like <laughs> he, he would print t-shirts. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was a print shop for t-shirts. Okay. He would print t-shirts for, uh, for local bars and uh-huh. for schools and baseball teams, softball cool. teams, yeah. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would sit with the typesetter and I would watch him set type on a curve and, uh, lay out the screens to make the the designs for the actual t-shirts. Hmm. And so I would say that's probably where... I was exposed to design in some shape or form Uh, that that's my earliest memory of design Mm. Uh, from that kind of ran in the family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, From that uh, it evolved to art in school. Mm -hmm. Um, Just uh, fine art as a way to just work through ideas and problems and to it was almost like therapy. Uh, But then after high school, I thought I was going to pursue that, but I didn't. Um, I I went to Purdue Cal for communications. I wanted to be on the radio, oh. mm. so yeah, that was my big dream, and that lasted all about twenty minutes. <laughs>
0: uh, um, well, we're giving you a, like a second chance here. <laughs> <laughs> the is like pseudo radio, <laughs> not modern day radio. But yeah. Uh,
2: so that led me to um, to failing out of there, and then. Um, and then going and starting to pursue my art career, uh, what I thought was gonna be an art career at IUN. And so the following year I went to IUN uh for fine art. And those people were just way too serious. You know, hmm. I, I would snobbish, maybe? Or? Uh no, I wouldn't say snobbish. Way. They were just like very in tune with their art. And hmm. for me, I just did art as a way to kind of you know, just to draw and doodle and mess around. Yeah, yeah. I never really thought of it as a career. Um, but when I went there and I saw everybody else like super serious about their Mm. art, um, it was really intimidating Mm. so much so that I wouldn't even go to class. Like I'd be too scared to draw in front of people, too, uh, too intimidated to even, to even get out of my car. There'd be days I would drive all the way up to IUN. I would sit in the parking lot and I'd be like, yeah, I can't do this. (laughs) And I would leave. Wow! <clears throat> like Man. I wouldn't even go, like try to hang out in the union or like Jeez. do anything. Um, mm. I would leave. Was, so, was that
0: fear? Was that what was going on?
2: It was fear. It was um, not understanding who I was. Yeah, uh, immaturity.
0: Yeah, it was.
2: It was a combination of a lot of things. Like I'm just that's, a, that's just a pretty talking intense
0: reaction, <laughs> especially when you consider the fact like you're you're paying to attend this, right? And college tuition ain't cheap. So you're you're driving all that way and 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 making the trip, yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything, all the stress that goes into it, and then you're like right at the at the doorway, basically, and you're like, nah, not gonna do it. Yeah, Hmm, I would take all the time to find a parking spot. Yeah, getting ready to go into
2: class, and I I would turn off the car. I'd be like, man,
1: yeah, I'm not as good as them. So these people are like, every art you make has to be for a huge purpose. Kind of a deal or is it, were they kind of judgmental or,
2: um, I don't know. I think everything I put on myself, Okay. I think everything was in my own head. Okay. I don't yeah. think it was
0: anything the school did yeah. or yeah. the other students were doing.
2: Mm-hmm. I just you were think just it
0: perceiving was, it in a different way than even what they were trying to project. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't even make it a whole semester. Wow. I ended up failing out. Wow.
2: And I'm like, you know what? This school stuff ain't for me. Mm. Like I'm from the region. I'm gonna get a job uh at a factory or right. I'm just gonna try to do it on my own uh so I did that for a, a few years. I worked a lot of jobs i had um from high school till when I actually went to college for real I had sixteen jobs um wow. in the span wow. of in a span of like four to five years so I move out to las vegas That's right. i spend I uh i spend a little bit almost almost two years out in vegas. Uh, from 99 to 2001 and then I come back home and I'm like all right I'm ready for school
0: yeah you know all my friends So had, during this period you were just <clears> kind of uh you th- would you say you were kind of aimless so you were wandering and trying trying to find out like man what what am I really going to do with my life right during right. that period of time
2: yeah and, and and there was a combination of a lot of things that came to that realization that I needed to go back to school mm. um the the one the one tipping point for me, I guess, was I was working, um, I was a Valley Parker at the Treasure Island. Uh-huh. And I looked around and all my coworkers were 45, 50, 55 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, do wow. I really want to be doing this when I'm that old? Yeah. Like, is yeah. that what my future has for me? Huh. Um, and I'm like, wow, I really got to do something. So I couldn't go to school there. I was too distracted. You know, when you live in Vegas, It's a lot different than when you visit Vegas and you're surrounded by money, by temptation, by all sorts of just negative things.
0: Every distraction in the
2: book. Every distraction in the book, Mm -hmm. yeah. All my money went Mm -hmm. to going out and partying and just having a good time. Party Town USA,
0: Vegas. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so so I came back home and I'm like, well, I'm going to go back to school. And this time I was a completely different person. I was older. Um, I was 21, 22 at the time. And so when I went to college again for the third time, um, I was like the oldest guy in the class because mm-hmm. everybody's coming out of high school and you know all the freshmen that are coming mm-hmm. in, they're all out of yeah. high school. <clears throat> so it wasn't as intimidating. Um, it was a little intimidating, the fact that I was going for graphic design at the International Academy of Design Technology, and I would never turned on a computer. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> how am I going to do this when I, I don't even know how to like turn on the computer? Uh, I didn't have an email address. Like, I, I, just computers were not in my yeah. life at all. Uh, so, granted,
0: this was a time when I mean, y- I mean, you were still in the computer age. Like, you're not so old that you were born no. during a time when there weren't any computers, but. They weren't nearly as like ubiquitous and just everywhere like they are now. Definitely, right? mm-hmm. definitely. So yeah, you had to go to the computer yeah. lab
2: because you really didn't have a computer at home. Right. Or yeah. you, laptops weren't as accessible yeah. as they are now.
0: If you had a home computer, it was some cheap piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, right. we
2: saved everything on zip yeah. drives or like yeah. zip, zip files, <laughs> the
0: floppy disks. Yeah, the floppy yeah. disks files. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm totally dating myself. I do um, remember them even. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So so um. So I was completely different. I took it super serious. Um, I studied and I learned as much as I could and I became a sponge. And uh, during the summer, all my friends would be going out. I would stay in and I would try to learn as much as I can. Um, and then I ended up graduating top of my class. Uh, nice. So I got my associates from there. And from there, I went, um, I, I tried looking for a job, couldn't find a job. Uh, September 11th had happened. The economy was terrible. So I'm like, well, I'll go back to school. And uh, I had a professor who taught at the Illinois Institute of Art, and she's like, if you, if you decide to come back to school, don't come back here. Go to the Illinois Institute of Art. It's way way better program. It's good lot, advice. A lot more serious. And so I decided to go there, um, and I got my bachelor's from there. And while I was in school, uh, that's when I got my first job. Uh, it, was at the, it was at Moran Design in downtown Hammond.
0: Hmm. And things went well when you were at the Illinois Institute of Art. Yeah,
2: yeah. It went a lot better. Uh, The the first year was really good. Uh, My second year and third year after that uh, was a little challenging because I was working full-time. So Mm -hmm. I had to go only a couple nights a week and on Saturdays. uh, So it took a while to finish up, but I fought through it and ended up getting my bachelor's.
0: Hmm. Persevered. Yeah. Nice. So in those early times, were there – what were what were some things that were inspirations for you? Uh, any any influences in terms of I don't know it could be anything. Just uh, any people that you knew or any uh, artists that you looked up to that that you looked at and and saw like man I'm I'm just inspired by what they do and that's like fuel for me to keep going.
2: Um, there was a lot of people. Uh, I- I'm terrible with names. Yeah, I was actually going to try to whip <laughs> out my phone really quick when you started saying that. Um start Googling some of these people. But yeah, there was, there's a handful of artists and uh, designers that I follow their work online mm-hmm. and uh, really like their style and what they were doing.
0: Um, but as far as people, I can remember one, cause yeah. I remember we, we talked about this when I was your student, uh, Tyco Scott Hansen,
2: Scott Hansen, hmm. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. His work was super influential and kind of shaped a lot of my early illustrator and like illustration skills. Yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely a good one. Um, yeah, but outside of like faraway people or people on the internet, there was nobody really like in my area or
0: in my circle. Yeah, kind of. It was it to. was like looking from afar, kind of.
2: Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, Northwest Indiana at that time wasn't a place that had a, a a booming creative community.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and being in Chicago, um, but then having to commute back and forth. I really wasn't like in that Chicago scene mm-hmm. because after class I had to come back home. Right. Yeah. So
0: exactly. So you're, you're only like dipping your toes in the water, mm-hmm. but not being able to like fully immerse yourself. Yeah. Now this is something I want to ask you about. Cause this is, this is probably one of the things that stuck out to me the most or that I still remember when, when I was your student, you talked about, you talked about talent versus skill. And uh, so can you just talk a little bit about that? Like what's, what's the difference between the two?
2: So I gave a speech on this before and I'm trying to remember how we started <laughs> off because I started off with kind of explaining my, uh, my point. Uh, talent is something that you're um, it's that, that you're, that's just in you. Mm-hmm. Like it's your God given talent.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Like
2: God bestows this talent upon you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is no really born with it. Yeah. Yeah. You're born with it. Some people are just naturally talented at certain things. Uh, pick your, pick your sport, pick your skill. Mm -hmm. Um, and skill is something that you develop over time. So it's something that you work. It's a muscle that you develop. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of people who can get away with having just some talent. There's a lot of people who can get away with having a lot of skills. Mm -hmm. Uh, but my point is that you have to have a combination of both. Um, talent will only take you so far and mm. then your skills have to kick in to make up what is left. Yeah. Uh, and so <clears throat> if we don't exercise or if we don't, um, if we don't keep developing these skills, then our talent will grow stale over time.
3: Mm.
2: At least that's my, my take, that's your take on, on it. Yeah. My, my personal yeah. philosophy.
0: Now let's apply it to, to your personal journey. how, did you find like when it came to design and, and art and, and all those things, did you find that you had the natural talent for it or was it, was it that skill that you had to develop? It was definitely the skill that I had to develop. You know, somebody tell you, you know, as
2: a photographer, you'll mm-hmm. hear this all the time. Oh, you have a great eye, right? Oh yeah. yeah a lot. So yeah, you have a great eye, but <clears throat> what is that eye going to do if you can't apply the necessary skills mm-hmm. to kind of develop what that eye could really bring out? Um, so definitely for me, you know, I think back and I, I, and I know I had the talent, you know, going back to the whole IUN story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was talented. I had, you know, some ability. It's not like I had zero ability, Mm -hmm. um, but it was those skills that I needed to build up and yeah. And, and you just, it takes a long time to realize or to come to the realization that you don't develop those skills overnight. You got to put that work in, you you have to constantly develop that over time. And being a young person or being an experienced, you just don't, you don't really grasp that concept. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah. 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 I I think that's kind of like a a misconception a lot. You know, some people will, will point somebody's talent out and they'll say, well, you know, they were born with this, so, you know, they don't need to practice much. But in reality, to fully use that talent, you do have to, it takes a lot of work, like you said, you know
2: yeah yeah you know I hear you guys talk a lot about music on this show, yeah and um that I mean that totally applies to the whole music industry and mm-hmm. and being a musical artist, yeah you can have a certain amount of talent, yeah, but you gotta practice those chords, you have to practice singing, you have to practice your instrument to really develop you know those skills
0: absolutely I think one of one of the one of the most tragic things to see when it comes to people who are really gifted is to see that just tons of raw natural talent in that potential. And then they become lazy with it. Mm, yeah. That's so terrible. Yeah.
2: And yeah. Cause having that level of talent does
0: make you lazy.
2: Mm.
1: You're like,
0: hey, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've known some, I've known some people that are like drummers that are just phenomenal, right. but they don't practice that much. Cause they think, Oh, I got it. It's just so natural for me, yeah. but that's, it's a mistake. You can't do that. You can always get better. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, I don't know, like LeBron James yeah. in the NBA or something like, when he first came into the league, he had tons of talent, and I mean, he had enough skill to be able to justify being in the league, but compared to where he's at now, he's really developed skills to pair alongside his talent, you know, like, some things you can't teach, like, you're saying, like, it's God gives it to you, you're born with it, and like, being able to jump out of the gym, man, no coach can teach you how to do that, you either have that or you don't, but being able to, uh, like, improve your dribbling or something, like, developing a really good crossover because you your ball handling has has gotten really good. Like that's an example where
1: like it, hard work can get you there. Mm. For sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um do you think it's possible to achieve long term success on just talent alone? Mm. Yeah, it's the age
0: old question. Yeah. Yeah. Um how no. far can that talent take you? Yeah. Basically is what
2: I I, I guess it really depends on on what that talent is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have the, uh, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about musicians and sports athletes and mm-hmm. this and that. And I'm, I guess it really depends on, on what game you're playing right. you know, and, and what so. industry you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, in graphic design.
0: Uh, yeah. Let's apply it to where you work.
2: Yeah. So in graphic design, um, I feel like no talents only gonna take you so far. Um, as times evolved, you know, I've been doing this for 13, 14 years now. Um, you have to constantly develop new skills to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you continue to stay relevant if you're not developing yourself or mm-hmm. staying up with the latest technology or the latest trends? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's definitely a level of, um, of self-education that goes into, um, to developing your talent.
1: Mm-hmm. With software always changing, especially I would imagine, right? Yeah. Software.
2: Yeah. Um, technology. So are you a guy
0: who, uh, do you, are you like when when new software updates come out for the programs that you use a lot are you the kind of guy that's going to update right away because you always want to try to stay on top of if if there's something that's like really new in there you want to you want to get to know that right away and not fall behind or are you the kind of guy like no I just want to like this older software works and I don't want to rock the boat and it's working for me uh
2: yes and no um th- th- there are tools within uh, within all the software, uh, so as a designer, you use the the Adobe, uh, the Adobe suites and the yep, Adobe-style products. Um, and there is a lot of different tools within that. Um, but my first thing is always, is this going to make me faster, more efficient, um, and is it worth learning? So when new things come out and I look at them and I, and I see new features or new tools, mm-hmm. I, I ask myself those questions. Like, yeah. is this going to make me a better designer? Or is just, or is this just, yeah. you know, some bells and whistles that mm-hmm. they're adding on? Um, you know, I use Photoshop six for probably ten years into my career before I actually jumped into like uh, the CC versions and the yeah. CS versions. Like, so th- there's a lot of basic fundamental things that you can do in uh, in Photoshop, and I just keep harping on that because that's just the one that I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it comes down to just the basics.
0: So it has to, it's it's really got to Im- improve your process in some way. Because if it doesn't, it I mean, it may not, that feature in and of itself isn't going to make you a better designer. But if, right. if it adds efficiency to your process, then it frees you up Definitely. in other areas. Mm-hmm. And and so, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, makes so sense.
2: like when it comes to photography and One Lightroom was developed, like how much more does that make you um, a faster editor Mm -hmm. or be able to cycle through your photos faster than trying to do that through Photoshop and Adobe Bridge? Like, it's just a night and day difference. So it makes sense to learn something like that versus, you know,
0: staying with what you might be comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Right. Just because, oh, well, I know this well, so why would I? Yeah. Yeah. Now here's something that I, that I was wondering. So, as someone who does graphic design for a career now because you've got a day job doing graphic design right I do okay so how do you find the balance between when you're working on a project trying to make it aesthetically pleasing and uh, you know like it's 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 working with with what your taste is and you think okay this is this is good this is how I like it how do you balance that between doing what the bosses tell you to do Even if like they're telling you to do something that you just know like this, you guys don't even know anything about design and design principles and and you've got bad tastes or, or are you just lucky enough to work in a place where you're given the autonomy and they just say, Joe, do we want this such and such. So, and we trust you.
2: Yeah. So if you guys were here, you'd see the huge smile on my face because, (laughs) uh, Yes, yeah, so uh, so to answer that question very simply is uh, you have to pick your battles. Uh-huh. <laughs> so does the project and the effort warrant uh, that particular battle? For example, um, you like the background in red, but they like it in green. Yeah, um, like in the big scheme of things throughout your entire project flow and uh, what you have waiting still that needs to be worked on, right. And how much time have you put into this um, project so far? Like you just have to balance that and ask yourself, you know, is this a hill that I want to die? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that comes with experience uh, to recognize that, uh, you know, in the beginning, you definitely want to fight for your ideas or yeah. you have the complete opposite type of designer where they just waffle on their ideas. And you're like, you know what, I'll just do what they say because that's what, they want right and not fight for your idea they're writing the check i'll do whatever they
0: tell me i don't even care (laughs)
2: yeah so so i think that's that's a skill that you develop over time is recognizing uh when (laughs) when when it's a good time to fight for that right uh, versus not so just
0: it's it's an like an intuition thing that comes with definitely for me it is yeah yeah
2: yeah um you know and and based on a lot of different um uh, different factors you know who am i dealing with Mm -hmm. Uh, what is this what is the purpose of this project? Um, does it have huge impact on the company or is it a flyer a for thing. the cafeteria? Yeah. You know, like,
0: you, you really have to, to pick your battles. You have to balance all those things at once. Definitely. And is there is there also another factor of, like, you realize, you know what, It's it's not really, I mean, I know it's your project because you're working on it, but at the end of the day, the finished product is, like, that's the companies, right? I mean, that's like... So you, you you say, you know what? It's not even really like... You almost sort of divest yourself and say like, okay, I, I'm not as personally attached to this. Like, it's not my baby, so to speak, as much right. as something that I would do outside of its place. Definitely. Yeah, you, you cannot get emotionally attached to anything
2: you work yeah. with when you work for a corporation right. or mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, an agency. Uh, you really have to keep those personal feelings at bay because you know, at the end of the day, it's not yours. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're hired to do a job. You're hired to execute. Yeah. You're hired to execute the idea. And, um, and yeah, I would say save those personal feelings and that, that personal investment yeah. you <laughs> know, to, to, to your personal work. That's right. why they call it personal work. Uh, Cause then you can put all your passion into it. Not to say that you can't put passion into your your nine to five job stuff um, mm-hmm. because you just that that's just natural or at least it should come natural to you mm-hmm. if, if this is what you do for a living. Yeah,
0: um, but yeah, yeah. It seems like a, it would be a really it'd be a weird career to to try to pick if you didn't love doing design mm-hmm. graphic design.
2: Definitely, definitely. You know, and and going back to being a student or um or to even teaching, you can see that in people. You know, right away whether they love to do this and it's in them or it's something that they're just doing to fill time yeah. or this might be a career that they want to pursue. Right. Uh, yeah, you definitely have to love what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So when you approach uh, the blank screen or blank page, what is it that you're thinking for how you're going to start a new project? Do you pre-plan what you're going to do or do you prefer to allow things to be just more spontaneous?
2: Um, I definitely pre plan.
1: Okay. Uh, Maybe, (laughs) yeah.
2: Maybe in the past or early in my career, I would just try to be spontaneous. Um, I definitely would be in my personal work. Um, But now, uh, being more seasoned, you definitely always have something in the back of your mind, Mm -hmm. whether it's a little crumb of an idea. Like there's always something there. Um, I have developed my lifestyle, like this creative lifestyle, and where I'm always. Uh, collecting things or looking at stuff like just my mind is always stimulated some way somehow. So when I do come up to a project and I get ready to start it, there's already 15 things that are bouncing back and forth or I have some kind of visual reference or just minds mindset um, already in in, in my head.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So because you're like, you're constantly digesting ideas and information and Mm -hmm. so like any any project that you'd be taking up is is always going to come through that filter of what's going on in your brain definitely
2: yeah like like nothing's new uh nothing's new in the sense that oh we have this crazy problem to solve or we're trying to sell this really different product like no matter what it is it all falls in line with some bucket that i've already filled with Mm -hmm. some kind of information or or creative um imagery or just something like it it, it, yeah the the, the groundwork is already laid Hmm.
0: um yeah
2: i Uh, I don't know how to better describe it. i I know know. what you're saying yeah i
0: I, I get where you're coming from so let's let's okay let's try to get into the weeds a little bit of just about when you're you're in the workflow this is something that i I I think it's important to you so I wanted to ask you your thoughts on it. How important is the atmosphere or the maybe the vibe that's in the room when you're working on a project? Just just in terms of like how that impacts your feeling of creativity and how important is that for you?
2: Um well like I said when I start a project there's always something there. Uh so when I'm actually working on the project and I'm actually in front of the computer in my office um if I get stuck, the the quickest thing that I turn to is cleaning or rearranging my office. Hmm.
3: Huh.
2: Um, something just has to change. Maybe it's uh, a
0: metaphor for cleaning and rearranging your mind. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah.
2: that. Uh, yeah, whether it's you know taking all the paintings off my wall and rehanging just random stuff, or moving my desk from one side of the room to the other, um, I find that when I change my space. Um, something unlocks or something huh. something comes up from that
1: it reminds me of like how lighting can change the mood so much you know? yeah. yeah it just changes the whole feel to it you know mm-hmm. if we were to turn these lights off turn the others off uh, turn the others on it just changes the whole feel so it sounds Does. like it's a similar that's really interesting sure. I thought yeah. I thought you were going to go
0: for oh well like I like this kind of lighting or this kind of music <laughs> or something but then you're like no no I just take it all apart
2: yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Interesting
1: and,
0: and, and definitely music.
2: Um, yeah, if if something's not working, then I completely switch up the music I'm listening to. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you go about achieving <clears throat> it by it. you like you need those physical changes. Do in the environment. Like it's not enough to just like changing the music helps, but that's not enough in and of itself. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I found when I'm really been stuck, um, there has to be a, a drastic shift in in my mm-hmm. environment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. So let's talk about, uh, I was wondering what you were thinking about, about collaboration. How do you, how do you view collaboration? Is that, is that something you like to do collaborating with other artists or do you prefer working on your own so that you can, you can retain control over the project?
2: Um, yeah. I, I would love to collaborate more than what I do. Um, currently now at, at my nine to five job, Uh, there's two other designers and we've, uh, over time we've started to collaborate even more than what we do now. Uh, or I mean more than what we did in the past. Uh, but in my personal work and my freelance stuff, yeah, I would definitely love to collaborate more. I I think that's something that, uh, us as creatives, us as designers definitely get into a rut of being like stuck in your silo. And we sit behind our computers alone, uh, in, in our, our offices alone. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and and there's been multiple steps that I've tried to take to uh, to kind of get outside of that bubble. Um, but you know, the whole saying, you know, if, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to yes. go far, you mm. go together. Um, I've I've been in this I've been in this rut the last I don't know, my whole career basically of just wanting to go 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 go. And, uh, and so that means going alone. Uh, but, but there's been multiple times where I've been able to collaborate. Most recently, um, I'm working on an art show, uh, with my buddy, Kevin Breinsma and all the pieces that we're creating for the show, um, are collaborative pieces. So he starts on a painting, uh, doesn't finish it, hands off the painting to me and then I finish it. So all of our work is on both of our, both of our work is on one canvas. For multiple, it's very collaborative, <clears throat> and everything has a story. Everything has a meeting. Uh, we're mm. probably going to call call our show uh, the story, oh, or yeah. a story.
0: Uh, so that's been really fun. That's mm. been really fun. Nice. So, how do you? What do you think is the best way to handle collaborating? To, uh, just in terms of how do you how do you know when the right time is to compromise on something? Like, like you've got you've got your idea or the thing that you want to do, but you're like, you know what? Kind of talking about sort of going back to what we said about, do I die on this hill or not? Right. Picking this battle or not? How do you know when it's time to stand up for your idea and fight on this one versus now nah, I'm going to let this go. Like, let's find the middle ground between who I'm working with.
2: Yeah. I mean, you really have to gauge the situation. Um, it helps to be in person mm-hmm. uh, when you, when you make those decisions. Yeah. Uh, because so like through, through email, email or something. Yeah. That's just not going to work. Yeah. Email, text messages, phone. Um, I've done that and it's just, you can't perceive the tone behind the words. You can't, and, and I think you know, um, kind of just off the topic. Just, just as a society, having that disconnect of no more interpersonal communication and be able to read, yeah. you know, um, emotions and, and and micro expressions and and body language, like that lack of doing that, it's just gonna hurt us in
0: so many, <laughs> so many ways. True, Um and, and so well, that's yeah, why so, I like doing like like this. Is, this is one of the things I love about podcasts. Is there is that built-in limitation that I mean there are video podcasts but predominantly it's an audio thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't get the visuals but you you do get at least a pretty good feel for a person and their personality through listening to their voice and their conversations and especially over time as you listen to more and more episodes of show you get to know those people. And that's what I really like about podcast is like that long form interview gives you the chance to that we because things are so surface in society now, mm, things right. are very much on the superficial level, mm-hmm. and and this is like to me, this is like a counter punch. Like no, uh, the you know what was that um, after Instagram came? What was that Vine? You right. remember that? Yeah, yeah. that yeah. died out, right? That's not even around anymore, is it? Or if it is, if it is, it's, I don't know it's anybody not not, uses it. Exactly. Its <laughs> high point is probably done. Yeah, I would it's say. Yeah. it's not popular anymore. I don't yeah. ever hear anybody talk about it. Yeah. But to me, I look at that and I'm like. It's just the fact that it was ever popular, I'm like, oh my gosh, do you have the attention span of a ferret? I mean, like, what, what's going on? Well, there was a huge
2: population that does. I mean, yeah, that that's that's a whole other topic for discussion. Absolutely. I mean, there is that, you know, give me my 20-minute, you know, right? Uh, I'm but, not 20-minute, 20 20-second, 20 you know, chunk of information, and I'm mm, gone.
0: Exactly. That's yeah. all I want. Yeah. But the idea that we're, we're talking about in the context of when you're collaborating, you want... You want the in person for sure interaction, yeah, to be able to make those important decisions,
3: right?
2: Yeah, definitely. Whether that's collaborating with art, with design, with mm-hmm. music, with photography, mm-hmm. yeah, having that that one on one, even sitting in person at a coffee shop, uh, just that that conversation needs to happen in person. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: there isn't a substitute for it. I no. think Mm-mm. even I mean the closest thing would be like Skype or Facetime or something, but that's yeah. Still not as good.
2: Uh, nah, I mean, I mean, nothing's
0: gonna beat the real thing, right? You know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so we've talked a lot about graphic design. Now let's mm-hmm. let's shift gears and move into like, what are some other mediums that you've started to move into?
2: Um, so most recently would probably be uh, photography. Um, it's it's a fairly new venture for me. Yeah, uh, I would say a year and a half, uh, waffling on two years of um, of. Of being in photography
3: mm-hmm.
2: um and, and let me and also just refreshing. tack
0: on like like what why why do that why not just say i'll just stick to graphic design that's my thing
2: yeah so um i, don't, I think just as a creative person uh, no matter what the tool is to get that creativity out um i've never tried i've never limited myself to that i never said oh i don't have that paint so i can't paint or I don't have um, those tools, so I can't do it. You know. So mm-hmm. when it comes to photography, I have this idea, I have this picture in my mind, I'm not going to let my limitations stop me. So for not having a camera or just using my cell phone, uh, that education is still out there. Uh, maybe the tool it will eventually catch up to you and you'll be able to have enough money to pay for it. Um, but yeah, so I guess my start in photography came with, Uh, That stubbornness to to not just cave into my lack of having things.
0: It's that you you need to have like a tenacity and and to just say like, stop making excuses for what the limitations are. Right. And just sucker up and do it. Yeah. And even the whole educational aspect of it. Like I
2: learned from YouTube. I learned how to use my camera from YouTube. I've learned how to work with lights from YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have some uh, formal education where I went to a school and they taught me how to do this. Now, whether that's right or wrong, it, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, a couple other photographer friends uh, who helped me out. Uh, Levi yeah. Arnold, this amazing, uh, talented, and super awesome kid uh that I've seen grow up from seven years old. Like he's just an amazing talented kid. Yeah. Uh knows so much about photography and, and videography skilled. and skill. Yeah. Math <laughs> skills. Uh and, and so I tapped him a lot in and in, in learning um in, in my early days. And I still continue to tap him um on the shoulder and to teach me a uh a thing or two. Um but yeah just uh I'm not sure where I'm going with that.
0: I'm I'm <laughs> all for like we are in the information age. It has its upsides, it has it has its downsides. But when it comes to trying to learn a new skill like photography, to me, like I don't even see like what what would be the downside to tapping into YouTube and just like there's so much educational opportunities. Yeah, it's free with YouTube. Like yeah. what would be somebody's counter argument? Like if somebody like like if I came to you and I said, "Hey, like I'm I'm going to learn how to be a graphic designer and I'm going to learn through YouTube." Like would you say would you spur me on and say, oh, go for it, man. There's tons of stuff out there you can learn. Or would you say, um, I don't know about that. I and mean, Be careful because this, that, or what. Like, what would right. be the So it would be hypocritical if I said, no, that's horrible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, know.
2: Um, I would say, you know, there's particular things uh, that you could learn, uh, but there's some things that you can't learn. So mm. for uh, to, to relate that back to photography... Uh, there was things. There was uh, very technical aspects of photography that I could learn online. Yeah. But to actually implement them and to be in those situ- uh, those scenarios, you actually had to go out and shoot. Like, mm-hmm. You can't yeah. just sit right. sit behind the computer and learn all this stuff. Right. You can learn uh, all the theory in the world, but if yeah. You don't... But if you don't apply it to anything, yeah, um, then you're never going to truly learn. Yeah. And so, and so I would say back to the whole graphic design thing yes you could learn graphic design online and through skillshare and there's tons of websites that have um, information but you have to be able to apply those to situations clients and projects and real world situations and you don't be able to and you're not able
0: to do that until you actually get out there and, mm-hmm. and, and use that information you've learned yeah uh, have you found that the information that's out there is is pretty much all good information or is there is there some things you need to be wary of? Like, oh, there's some people are they're going to teach a bad technique, so you need to be careful at, especially when you're a beginner because you can't tell the difference between what's good technique and what's bad because you're learning for the first time. When it so, when
2: it when it comes to graphic design, definitely yes. I've seen some tutorials online and through YouTube where they just give you the most roundabout way to complete yeah.
0: something. And or technique to do is something. really important in graphic design
2: <clears throat> for sure. And and there's an and I should say. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do one thing, right? So <clears throat> I guess just finding the most efficient way is always my, um, is my forte. Like, I, I want to find the best way to do it, the most efficient way to do it. Um, and Where so those when, two things meet. Yes, exactly. Hmm. Um, yeah. So in photography, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of things that I might, might have come across that I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, But without knowing, uh, I guess it's just trial and error. Like you might learn something online, but then when you actually do it in real life and it doesn't match up, then.
0: Yeah. I guess what I'm, I think what the deeper point that I'm getting at, the real question here is are there rules around this stuff? Are there, are, are there actually rules or is it just, uh, these are kind of like some tried and true basic principles that have kind of worked generally for everybody, but. Make your own rules. I mean, what what are we work now? What are we talking about in this in this area? I mean, how how hard and fast are the rules, if there are any? Right. Yeah. As it pertains to either graphic design or photography.
2: Yeah, I I think there are some particular core set of rules, um, some basic principles, like you said. But in terms of the delivery and the execution, and who can do what, Mm -hmm. I think all the all the rules are broken you know the the internet has gained us access to so many so many different great things and so there is no rules where you know I'm a photographer and I can only get in this magazine because I'm this type of photographer right <clears throat> so now the the barriers have been broken the walls have been torn down mm-hmm. where you have access to distribution everywhere you can distribute your stuff anywhere and anywhere you want and it's free for most of, uh, mostly it's all free. Uh so yeah, I think the rules of probably just the 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 distribution of your creativity uh I think those have all been shattered.
0: I gotcha I like it. So you do something you do something that's annual. You put on a design conference. It's called uh, Insight, right? Yes, the so, Insight Design Conference. So tell us about that. How did how long has that been running for now, and um, why did you start it? Well, let's just start there. Why Why did you start Insight Design Conference?
2: Uh, so the story behind Insight is um, I'm going to say eight to nine years ago uh, is when it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always Almost say that a decade now. Yeah, I always I always say that because one year we had two events in one year, so it always throws me off whether we have nine or eight or. Um, so the way it started was uh, with my buddy Kevin Brinsma. Uh He invited me out to lunch he's like, hey, I want to meet you. And so during our conversation at lunch, we, lunch, we started talking about um, all the different students who would come into our office and want to show us their work. And uh, it was all kids from the area, from IUN, right. Purdue Cal, <clears throat> and all their work was terrible. Not in the sense that, like, I'm just being negative, but they didn't have the necessary skills required to get a job or... Mm. Just basic understanding of, of
0: graphic design. The tools in their tool belt, they were missing.
2: Absolutely, that's a great analogy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, um, and so, so we had this
2: conversation. I'm like, well, well, what is anybody doing about this? Uh, and we kind of looked at each other. We're like, well, I'm not doing anything about it. You doing anything about it? No. And so I'm like, well, let's have a portfolio review. Let's have an event where kids can come and they can sit one on one with an industry professional, have, you know, have that access to them to ask them questions. Yeah. Here's my book. Look at my work. Uh, what can I change? Yada, yada, yada. So that first event had um, over a hundred people Wow, come with their portfolios. We got um, local uh, designers and uh, business owners, uh, like agency owners. They, they came and, and they sat down one-on-one with these kids and one at a time they would come and get information. So we were like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, nobody was doing that. Uh, and so that kind of, that has grown and developed into what Insight is today. <clears throat> Which is? Which is um an event that has uh, a multitude of speakers. We had, uh, about four years ago, we dropped the portfolio review. Every year we would have a portfolio review, and then there would be uh, three or four speakers. Now the event has grown to um, 13 speakers, and the unique thing about it is that they all speak for five minutes. They get five minutes on stage, and they get five slides. And so um, that's been able... It's like a lightning round. A huge lightning round. Um, There's an event in Chicago called uh, Ignite Chicago, and I spoke at it two or three years ago, but they had this format. They had this format where you get up on stage and you got five minutes to speak, but you got twenty slides, and the twenty slides uh, rotated on their own automatically. Mm. <clears throat> so that was super so challenging. So you had to go through all twenty. Um, you didn't have to, but twenty slides were going to show regardless mm. of where you got <laughs> through them or not. Right. Um, and so it, it was a good um, it was a good thing that forced you to really make your point uh, in a quick and and decisive and entertaining way. So we've kind of modeled that uh that format into our event. And uh over the last three or four years it's been um it's been awesome. We've had some amazing speakers come through. And uh this next one is September fifteenth. So nice. September fifteenth, twenty seventeen is our next event. And um yeah, it's been great so, for the year. so
0: if you dropped the portfolio review, which is kind of like that was like the starting point for you basically with this event. So what what's the philosophy behind it now? What so now is how, that, do you, how do you how are you pitching it now? Like what's
2: Yeah, so um so so yeah. the so Insight's mission is to inspire, educate and transform. So we use that as a guide to find the speakers and to set up the night in a way where each one of the speak each one of the speeches has one of those elements in it. Um or multiple okay. of those elements in it. So there's a creative thread that goes throughout all the speeches throughout the night. Um, and it could be, um, talking about, uh, last year we had someone talk about art and autism and how they relate. Uh, we had someone talk about, um, uh, we had this guy, he's a, uh, he draws on boxing gloves. He draws paintings on boxing gloves and then goes out and gets the celebrity to sign them. Uh, so yeah, it's just a, it's just a wide array of topics, but all the, all the topics have a creative
0: thread. What would be an example of something that, because I can, I can think of something that's inspirational, that's going to inspire me, or something that will educate me, but what's something that's transformational? What do you mean by that?
2: Um, we've had a lot of transformational stories, uh, success stories, mm-hmm. um, inspirational stories that, uh, that lead into transformation. Uh, I'm trying to think of something specific uh you know your your typical success story i started from xyz and i've blown up to uh to this that's kind of a tough question to answer (laughs) so like
0: it's so we kind of look at it like that's the transformation is kind of like the end goal of why we try to inspire you like for sure inspiration will will take you along and transform your your life, your career—exactly.
2: So, so actually, the the whole transformation aspect of our mission um, is probably the one that I harp on the most, because yes, you do come there to get educated. Yes, uh, through that education, you become inspired. Yes, and through that inspiration, we hope that you would go out and transform who you are. Whether that that's pushes you—that's the end result. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so whether you. Um, you go out and you join, uh, you, you create a partnership with somebody and you guys go and make this amazing project. Or <clears throat> we've had people um, start a mentorship program. Uh, we've had people start businesses together. Um, mm. Connections that actually turn into something. So so you would you say you're proud of the results overall? Oh, extremely proud. Yeah. Um, there's been so many success stories throughout the year and I can see where this person might've met at insight and I can follow their career and see where it's been, um, through their connections that they've made at insight. So definitely we've you, even had, um, we've even had somebody who've been married <laughs> through insight. Like that's where they met. <laughs> that's and, where, and they that's met. where the
0: relationship formed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you do like, um, any sort of hands on workshops during that time or is it pretty much just hearing from the speakers?
2: Um, yeah, it's pretty much hearing from the speakers. Yeah
0: we've tried to grow and evolve
2: the event um but we've always come back to let's keep this thing manageable
0: yeah um, let's you could go in so many different directions and so many different yeah. directions yeah for sure it would be hard to manage yeah all that stuff going on at site. especially yeah, it, when you get when the crowd sizes get bigger to try to manage you know how are we going to group up all these people and, and yeah, it's a lot it's a lot to juggle for
2: sure yeah logistically it's a lot um, we we've intentionally made inside a small event. We don't want it to grow past a hundred people. Uh we found that the dynamics in the room, um, like networking is a huge part of the event. We found that the dynamics of the room, if it grows to be too large, then there's a lot of people just sitting in the corners. You know, there mm-hmm. there's not that engagement that, that um that conversation that happens. Uh we found between like seventy and ninety this is like a super good number.
0: It's it's funny how like that's just a human nature thing like uh there's an intimidation that comes with a big crowd like you i think so yeah if the, the crowds ice.
2: if the crowd's too small then um yeah then those conversations don't really happen maybe because i need the noise in the room hmm. um if the crowds are too big then people just get lost in the shuffle hmm. so for sure
0: huh. interesting how that balances out so what what advice would you want to give to someone who who wants to like, they want to do graphic design or photography, since you're into that now. Mm-hmm. Like, they want to take that that art form, and they want to take it to the next level, from, from being the amateur to the level of the professional. And by the professional, I don't necessarily mean just somebody who is able to earn their living off of it, although that is probably the most common definition, mm-hmm. but at least someone who at least treats it professionally, meaning like, even if this doesn't pay the bills for me, I still treat it at, like, in a very... Serious way, there's like a reverence for it for me. Like I take it seriously, and I care about doing really good work. Because I know some people that do music and stuff like that, and music isn't paying their bills, but they still do a great job. Like they they act professional with it, right? So, what advice would you have?
2: I would say that if you want to take, uh, I guess, turn from a hobby to a more professional aspect, uh, you really have to to look at the type of person you are, Uh, because Doing something for a hobby versus doing it professionally takes two different types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, when you turn professional or when you do something more professionally, that requires a completely, I wouldn't say a completely different skill set, but I guess a more evolved skill set, whether it be uh, communication or understanding of business or understanding of finance, um, <clears throat> which is a lot different than if I'm just doing it for a hobby, I'm doing it for fun. Then, yeah, I might not have those budgets or a concept of working with a budget or working on a timeline or mm-hmm. I, I mean on a deadline. Um so I would say uh yeah, really look at the type of person you are and if you see yourself growing in that direction and if it's interesting to you, uh then I guess that's when you know that you um that you have what it takes to become professional at it. Uh hmm. it, it takes a lot of sa- uh, a lot of self-sacrifice. To time too right huge time i mean yeah. time's yeah. got to be one of
0: the biggest things if not the biggest because it's one thing to work on a project at your own pace right. when you're not a professional mm-hmm. versus like when you're at the job now that you have you know and you've got these projects and there's time crunches and you you've got to sit and work with that project for a long long time uh and like if you're not mentally prepared for that i mean you're gonna be like on oh, board of this all right and just not have the endurance for it right
2: or if it's just not in your personality to have that type of care and attention to time, mm-hmm. then, yeah, becoming professional at something just might not be in your stars. But I think if you have that understanding of time and uh, that appreci- appreciation for it, then, Yeah.
0: so you think really just 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 that recognition of like am i am i this kind of person yeah uh, that's
2: where it starts i think it's huge yeah it it definitely has to start there Um, because then you can get so far and then if it's not in your personality you're going to start seeing these flaws later down later on down the road and it might be it's just going to be a little bit more difficult to overcome those down the road Mm -hmm. than if you were Honest with yourself and said, "Hey, I really don't have this in me," versus, "Oh yeah, I can just go out and I think I can do it because I can, you know, I can accomplish so many things." Mm-hmm. I'm kind of talking in circles right now. That's okay. No, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I don't think
0: so. I don't think so. So, I'm I'm gonna press you just a little bit more on this. So, yeah, let's say the the person has has weighed that out. They've counted the cost and they've said yes. Being a professional, that that's for me. I want this. I'm willing to work for it. Where do they go from there? Like what's, the, you know, they don't have any, they're not connected. They don't have contacts. Uh, their portfolio is small and, and just starting to grow. I mean, what's what do they need to do? Do they just need to just do the work and get more projects under their belt, and build, build up experience? What's I would say the know, next how step did work actually, for you.
2: Because um, you were say- there at one point. I was, um, I I guess, I guess we're talking about maybe two different channels. So I've, I came, uh, at the time, you know, I came out of college and I had a small network of people and Mm -hmm. I had that drive to find, um, to find a job versus somebody who maybe is, you know, working at a factory and they're like, Hey, I really like this graphic design stuff. Yeah. Let me start to learn these skills and let me start to find some clients and build up a portfolio. And then turn pro, or do it at a more professional level. Um, that's like two different tracks. I so, guess you're right. <clears throat> so the first one, uh, coming out of college, you kind of build your network, and I would say that's huge for both for both of those scenarios. Like you have to, you have to know. I wouldn't. I don't want to say you have to know people, but you have to be willing to, um, to develop relationships mm-hmm. that can turn into something. And you don't do that by just sitting at home or not being mm-hmm. active. It takes initiative. It takes initiative. It takes time. It takes um, actually getting to know people mm-hmm. and to have those conversations. So definitely build up a network, and uh, a network of good quality people. Uh, and you can find people so easily nowadays. Before, it was so yeah. hard to find an email address for someone. Yeah. Now you can hit them on any social media platform mm-hmm.
0: and any website. Uh, I almost take that for granted. Just how easy it is to track people down and who who are doing things, something that you want to do. Yeah.
2: And, and, and there's, and, and like I said before, the barriers are knocked down with the, with the internet. And so we have access to everyone mm-hmm. uh, and just being persistent, being respectful and, uh, and the willingness to go find those people. Yeah. So now yeah, I would say the next step would be just to build your network.
0: Yeah. So there's really no, there's no like special secret or shortcut. Like it's, it's really just uh, taking the initiative and, and putting the, putting the work in. Yeah. Hard done. work. I mean, hard yeah.
2: work trumps everything, you know, uh, it's like the not so secret, secret ingredient for sure. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard the work. ingredient that, that people don't want to invest in uh, because they want the, the one they want the one answer they want the quick mm-hmm. fix they want uh, you know I talked Absolutely. about this the other day P- people just don't have patience mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. you got to have that patience nowadays and yeah that's that's something that as a society we're just not accustomed to Again, having because we exactly. have everything in front of us exactly
0: yeah. we're <clears throat> going back to that what we said earlier with what's in the society now is things are so instant mm-hmm. things are so on demand right everything is Netflix you know I mean it's like right. <laughs> you can just stream it and have everything at your fingertips. Yep, it's right there. Yeah. And uh, I I'm guilty of that too, just as much as anybody. Like yeah. I I this like even this show that we're doing here, like I I want to develop and grow an audience of consistent people who are listening to this and and enjoying and interacting with this and like build a community around it. But that that can't happen overnight. No. It's, it it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. And I just have to keep reminding myself and not get discouraged. That, oh, there's, there's, the numbers are so little right now. Right. Don't get caught up in that. Like, it, it takes time. You
2: know, I always, I always turn to, um, actors and musicians, I feel are one of the most patient creative types because they have to wait and they have to put in so much work in order to get to that tipping point, in order to get to Mm -hmm. that breaking point where they, Mm -hmm. people actually know who they are. Yeah. And, and it's really humbling to, to look at that and be like, man, that guy was on the road for two years before anybody like really heard mm-hmm. his song, mm-hmm. or yep. that actor went to you know thirty auditions and got uh thirty nos before they got that one commercial or that one break mm-hmm. um, absolutely. There's a tremendous amount of work that goes into it, and patience is right at the forefront of that.
0: Think about like uh a great example of that, I think is uh Brian Cranston. You know who that guy is mm-hmm. so you know the show Breaking Bad yeah, he's Walter White. Oh, Brian Cranston. So he, I mean, he he had some roles, I guess, that were kind of big before that. But let's be honest, prior to Breaking Bad, this guy wasn't nearly as like that catapulted him into like superstar level. Mm, Right, and he was a pretty. I mean, he wasn't like an old old guy, but he was a a middle aged man. Yeah, you know, in his forties or maybe late forties, early fifties, something like that. When he gets this role, and like just think about like how long he had to wait. Right. For that break. Yeah. And yeah, mo- I mean, we like, I don't want to think about that. I don't want <laughs> right. to, I don't want to be <laughs> it's not like the glamorous part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to think part. like, you know, it, it might take till you're like 40 yeah, and then right. maybe,
1: maybe. Yeah. yeah. And there <laughs> might,
0: that break may never come. That's the thing is it's, sure? there's no guarantees. No guarantees. But it's risky in any profession. Right. Yeah. But the patience, the persistence, the hard work, those are the best ways to, at least partially guarantee that when the break comes, you're going to be as ready for it as possible, right? Definitely. So definitely, I love it. I love it. So where can people find out more about what you do and in, in, in your graphic design, your photography, what whatever? Like what, what are the channels that you'd want people to look at?
2: Uh, so probably the first one uh, is my website, uh, miracle21.org. And um, that's 21 spelled out. Uh that has links to all my social media. Um I use Instagram, so at Miracle Twenty One. Mm-hmm. Uh I kinda I kind of focused my social media for a couple different things. Uh, my Facebook page is more of like my personal life. So like mm-hmm. my family, my kids' pictures and stuff are on there. Right. So I might not just friend some random person. <laughs> um but yep. if you want to follow like my art, and my design, uh that's at Miracle Twenty One and then my photography. Uh, on Instagram as well as, uh, black bean photography. And right on. I have Twitter, but I don't use it. Um, LinkedIn yeah, all those other social medias. I don't really use them except for, uh, Facebook and Instagram.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like semi active on Twitter, but I could never get into it as much. Yeah. 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 I'm a visual guy, so I need yeah. those visuals. Instagram is perfect for, for what oh, you for do. Sure. It's, it's great. So man thanks for stopping by tonight Thank we, you Joe. I, I really enjoy Thank the conversation so i uh, appreciate it yeah encourage you guys to go check out joe's work and uh get some inspiration and uh keep keep your nose to the grind don't don't stop working you know it's not gonna it's not gonna come overnight so definitely all right thanks joe we'll <laughs> Thank talk to you. you later
1: man see you later all right hey you yeah you who's listening to this show right now I bet there's a good chance you aren't following us on social media. Let's fix that. Look up Every Last Drop podcast on Facebook and like our page. Find us on Twitter, at podcast, And find us on Instagram under the same name, at eld podcast. So won't you do me a kindness and follow us? Do it now! Joe Gonzalez, everyone. Thank you,
0: Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for stopping by, man. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you are not just some average Joe.
1: No. (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, that was cool. Very good discussion. I really liked when he was talking about, you know, kind of having that anxiety of you pull up to your university, you're in the parking lot, you're like, great, you know, what do I do? You know, you're worrying about other people thinking about your work. And you're just and he he. I remember him saying, you know, and you know that he was kind of putting it on himself. It wasn't necessarily the people he was around, but he was putting too much pressure on himself. And I thought that was really that's something we do a lot. We overthink things.
0: Yeah. Do, what and, do you uh, think? What do you think that stems from? Do you think that what is that an issue of? Man. Is that an issue of overthinking? Is that an issue of being too self-conscious? You know, I I think or, it's... Uh, or 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 are all those things just symptoms.
1: You know, it could be. I, I think. What's the root? I think a lot of the times, like graphic designers and you know a lot of people who are artistic, kind of they're they're deep thinkers. You know, and I think that we if you're a deep thinker, it's difficult to not go to those deep places and overthink things and like yes. kind of put thoughts into other people's heads towards mm-hmm. you and even though they don't exist. Yeah. So it's like.
0: And Joe's a really
1: thoughtful guy. Yeah, oh, like yeah, I can yeah. tell. Like he's he really he's he's careful
0: and he mm-hmm. he considers what he's doing before he does it. Yeah. And yeah. uh one thing we didn't get into that I on on this second thought here as we're reflecting that I'm kind of thinking about and curious uh uh-huh. is uh I I wonder how much of a self-editor he is. Huh. Like how much does he as he's working on something and as a graphic designer you have this benefit of being In the digital domain, kind of what we were talking about earlier, the digital versus the analog. Yeah. It's kind of hard to edit on the analog because if you're on paper or something, editing means you crumple up the piece of paper and throw (laughs) it away in the garbage. Get a big
1: old eraser
0: out and just like... (laughs) Yeah, or an eraser. Yeah. But in the digital world, especially as a graphic designer, you're working on Illustrator or InDesign or something like that, Um editing doesn't mean you have to throw the whole project out the window.
1: Mm-hmm. Command Z. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it means you, you command Z, you you undo what you did. Yeah, no or you know, eye. you start deleting little pieces here and there. I'm curious, how much of a self-editor is he? Does he yeah, look at what reaction. he's doing and like eh, not happy with that? Got to change mm-hmm. it. Got to change it. Yeah. Cuz we had Chris from Lights in Motion on our last episode. Yeah. Or Episode five, I should say, because I don't know mm. if this one is going to be following that one directly. <laughs> um, and, you know, based on what he said, his comments, he is a major self-editor. Because remember, oh, he yeah, said, yeah, yeah. I'll go through 20-something mixes, mixes. Yeah. on yeah. one song. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That yeah. means, like, you're, you're being very perfectionist or uh, very... Um, uh, What's what's the word here? Maybe fastidious about meticulous. the about the yeah meticulous. Yeah. You're being very meticulous about the those yeah. details, and that's great. Uh, that's Chris's philosophy, I think. That's mm-hmm. his approach. He said that uh, an artist doesn't make a painting, or the painting isn't defined by the broad brushstrokes that mm-hmm. the artist makes, but the little tiny details. Oh, like so it. that's his philosophy. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. his approach. Is like those tiny details make the difference. That's why I. Mm-hmm. edit over and over and over again because I want the tiny details
1: and to some, be perfect. And some of those details only he said that he admits that only he knows about them. But the fact yes. that he does is where he gets the satisfaction. And I'm wondering, you know, does Joe th- think that way also?
0: That's a good does question. that apply in design? Hmm. Does he say it's the tiny little details that that make it even if only I notice it and mm-hmm. the client may not even notice it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I need to go through it 30 times. It's like that's kind yeah. of
1: your that's that's the place. If if you're doing a project for a company, they want it this specific way. Those tiny little details are your chance to kind of put your, you know, your your feeling into it. If you know, it's it's very yeah. restricted towards their the way they. Yeah, want Yeah, like it. that's like the slight little area where yeah. you're allowed to it's have like some your little, freedom to be yourself. Exactly, your tiny little signature in the corner, you know, and these exactly. tiny details. These yeah, because they're not
0: going to notice yeah. it, but right. you will. And like yeah. this is your chance to Sticking it to the man. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but not totally because no no
1: I was kidding about yeah, that, sticking it to the man of
0: course of course yeah. but but I'm just saying like there's also a reason why they hired you mm-hmm. presumably right. because they saw your portfolio and they, and like, they like your like style it. yeah so mm-hmm. I would almost say like don't like be bold mm-hmm. and allow your style to to come to be uh, projected onto yeah. the the work. Because I think that's that that's part of the reason why they hired you is because they like right. your style. Exactly. But don't don't go crazy and make it all about you. Mm-hmm. Make it mm-hmm. about the client, and uh, weight it heavily in the favor of what the client wants. Yes, and then mix in some of you. And I'm sure with and I think experience, that's a good recipe.
1: Yeah, with experience, you probably learn what that balance should be. You know, I'm sure it varies from client to client, but you know, after a while, I'm sure you'll you get an understanding of. Yeah what's okay to put, what's too much.
0: Right. Know. And I think sometimes you'll encounter some clients <laughs> that really like your style even more so than past mm-hmm. clients and will even tell you, like, give you instructions that they want you to be more free and, like, use yes. your own discretion. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I do that, for example, like, with my day job. Mm-hmm. Nick does photography with for my products. Yes, And I trust Nick. So I... I don't tell him what I want per se. I just say, mm-hmm. "Listen. Here's the product. Take a mm-hmm. picture of it and I just 100% just use your best discretion." Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a rare case. <laughs> I think <laughs> most people who hire you to do photography or are are not going to tell you to 100% just use your discretion yeah. like I do. Yeah. Um so I think there's a mix. Mm-hmm. There's a balance.
1: One of the things I like to do when when people give me that much you know, room to work with As yeah. I like to say, I'm I'm sure you've noticed, I like to yeah. say, you know, Danny, I shot these pictures, man. You tell me what you think. We can yeah. change it if you want. I like to give them that you know that Yeah, no- that can be very yeah. um nerve wracking for, yeah. uh, yeah. for the uh for the
0: the artist, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Um because that's so broad mm-hmm. and so open ended mm-hmm. that they don't know where to go with that. Yeah. They don't know where to start. Yeah. So that's where you have to just start somewhere and then yeah. throw those ideas at the client and then um get their feedback mm-hmm. and then that'll start to kinda of define yeah. the direction. Why didn't I think any of this stuff when we were talking to Joe? Because these, these don't are some know. questions I would have wanted to ask him. Yeah. Uh, hey, but come on. The questions we got in there weren't bad. No yeah, we had good questions. Yeah, I thought they were good. We we always have room to grow. But you know, that's kinda of how life works sometimes, right? Yeah. Is you, you think you think the good you stuff think after stuff the to moment say is after, is after the fact. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly.
1: That's why we're recording now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right.
0: yes, exactly. Yeah, and Joe's gonna listen back to this, so he's still here at heart. Yeah, it, heart. He's yeah. he's here in spirit, yeah. and he'll and he'll get a kick out of this moment <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we want to say thanks for Joe for coming in mm. and sharing a little bit of his uh, his life Expertise. and his his art. Yeah, yeah. And his uh, yeah. You know, he, he I'd say he's got over a decade of solid experience. What do you say? Thirteen years now, fourteen years as a designer. Yeah. I'd say yeah. you're by then, if you've done it that long as a professional, you're pretty much expert level mm-hmm. in my opinion. So yeah. he shared his uh his expert opinions with this. Yeah, he's we actually... really appreciated it. Yeah. Now it's time for the the next segment of the show. This is what I would call probably the second best segment of the show, only because the first best is when we have Luke and we get to do poetry hour. And since we don't have the poet in our midst we have to fall to our backup plan, mm-hmm. which is second best. Me and Nick will take you through our picks. Ah, uh, yes. So our picks for the week are any artistic piece of work. I've in got one. any medium, it can be anything. Uh, and this is something that's going to be, this is really broad. Okay, picks are broad. Mm-hmm. So it can be something that's not even like overtly artistic. But if it inspires you in some way, I say it's a fair game. So, let's hit it. Picks. All right. Why
1: don't you hit us yeah, with your sir, pick? man. Go for it. Stephen Wilson is my pick of the week. This is an artist who started off with a band called Porcupine Tree and later on kind of moved into a, you know, kind of doing his own thing. Um, this guy does progressive rock, very melodic, nostalgic themes. Um, is it instrumental? Uh, some of his... Well, most of it is not. Most of it he sings. He's got a great voice. And nice. the way that I found him is one of his albums, or a couple of them actually, uh, featured guitar virtuoso, um, Guthrie Govan.
0: Okay. So I, I had been aware of Who of would you compare uh, Stephen Wilson to? What is, oh, does man. he remind you of anybody or any other that band? That
1: is tough.
0: Um... Mm-hmm. Now, are, are, you said he used to be in a band called Porky Porcupine Tree? Porcupine Tree. So, and then now he does music independently yes. under his own name? he
1: does solo work now, and he just kind of features different And you've listened to both? Uh, yes, yes. Nice. Yeah, I would say, yeah, th- this guy is... this the things he writes about, you know, childhood, uh, a loss of, of a loved one, and just these the words he uses, it's just so beautiful. The The music videos... They just they'll they'll make you cry to be quite really? frank, yeah. And it's just unbelievable. Like these, it's progressive rock. Like I said, it's melodic, nostalgic, sentimental themes to to these songs. And it's just it it's so. You know, there's beautiful pi- strings pieces, uh, mm-hmm. and it's just I love unbelievable man. I um, good strings really pull at the heartstrings. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> and uh, Stephen Wilson, check him out, man.
0: Love it. Unbelievable artist. I'm sure he's all over the place, right? Spotify. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Hand kanati Race is probably my favorite album of his. So... There you go. Steven that's a, Wilson.
0: That's a specific pick. You went as specific as an album. So... Yeah. All right. I like that one. Uh, my pick... I'm going to go with a movie again. Mm-hmm. Um, I just recently... Got around to watching uh, a movie called 13 Hours. You heard of that one?
1: Yeah. Is that, is that where the guy gets like stuck underneath a rock No, that's
0: uh, 27 Hours, oh, okay, I think. Okay. Yeah. 13 Hours is about the, um, I don't know if the term soldier is the appropriate term, but it's mm-hmm. it's the guys who fought to defend the people in Benghazi.
1: Oh, okay. Wait, I saw that. Did you? Yeah, I did. I did okay I see
0: that so you know Benghazi September eleventh, two yeah. 2012 yep. there was an attack on uh, in Benghazi Libya there was an attack on uh, an American diplomatic outpost not mm. an embassy it was kind of like a not even really a consulate it was uh, during that of course during that time in Libya uh, things were really unstable like their dictator just got overthrown
1: yeah
0: um The U.S. State Department was highly involved in that operation. And um, so there was this diplomatic outpost and there was a a CIA compound uh, that was secret, a secret CIA compound just like a mile down the road from that place. And there were these six guys who were like basically contracted to be there to defend the CIA outpost. They were not CIA operatives. They were just Guys who were like former army rangers and special forces and things like that who were just doing contract work to stay busy basically mm-hmm. and so the story is just about how those six guys heroically rose to the occasion of going and at least i'd say attempting and m- mostly successfully defending the american outpost uh yeah. diplomatic outpost in benghazi um Of course, you know how the story goes. The American ambassador died along with uh, four Mm -hmm. other Americans. So it was was a sad day. But most of those guys, I think two of them died and four lived and got to go home. Mm -hmm. So it's just a story of just like, I don't know what it is about these. Like there's this common thread running through my picks
1: recently. Like I think my last one was Hacksaw Ridge. (laughs) honestly not that different (laughs) yeah it's funny because this film you're talking about almost reminds me of like a modern day battle of the alamo you know yes it's very similar yes they're holding down this they
0: made that quote in the movie Uh one of the guys said like i'm tired of being up here like this is a modern alamo Alamo," or something like that Uh yeah Yeah. i actually forgot that quote to be honest it's (laughs) in there it's in there though but you're right it's very similar circumstances Mm -hmm. it's a small group of people who are defending something, defending an outpost against all odds. And uh, you know how the story goes. So, you know, no support ever came. Yep. No air support, no reinforcements, nothing. They were just left out there to die, basically. Um, Which, let's be honest, political reasons that didn't happen. Not going to get into all of that, but (laughs) it's, it's, so, uh, you know, I I definitely felt some mixed emotions in the film. Yeah, After watching it, and that's why it's my pick, is just because it really got a strong emotional response mm. out of me. Um, I felt, simultaneously, I felt like a strong admiration for the bravery and the courage of those men yeah. to rise to the occasion and, and defend American lives and to attempt to defend the ambassador. Um, and simultaneously, anger, because um, I was angry that the U S government didn't see fit to send these people reinforcements and just left them to die. Yeah. Um, that made me angry for sure. Cause I, I looked at it. I was like, what is the reason to de- to deny these guys the help that they need? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the consequences showed five of them didn't make it, including the ambassador. And, uh, but several of them survived, like I said, and that's why it's a good story in the end, I think, because, the uh the the virtue of their courage is the final word i think mm-hmm. that's really the movie ends on that note um more so just showing you like you know these guys showed some real courage yep yeah and that's uh, that's why it's my pick
1: very Ooh. good so check it out 13 right. hours
0: 13 hours and nick Stephen wilson mhm and with that we are going to have to get out of here cuz this episode has Run extraordinarily long, <laughs> unintentionally. Uh we try to keep our episodes like between an hour to an hour and fifteen minutes. And this one's probably gonna be in the neighborhood of hour and a half, maybe. <laughs> but uh you know what? I'm not gonna apologize. Because you know what? Sometimes you These... just have so many good things to say, you just can't pack it in exactly. an hour. <laughs> and you know what? And you guys don't have to listen to this. So yeah. if you're listening right now, yeah. It's because you're choosing to. Exactly. Number one, and number two. I'm not in a, I'm not in a place yet where I'm able to like consistently pump mm-hmm. these episodes out. Because if let's say we were doing this once a week, yeah, I would probably try to keep the episodes to an hour max, mm-hmm. maybe even like fifty minutes if we were doing once a week. But right now, because it's like kind of once every other week, but really kind of like one to two a month, mm-hmm. I I don't think it's a big deal to have this big long episode since they're released so infrequently. Yeah. And I'm sorry about that guys. I'm uh, I'm doing my best, but just like you, I have a full-time job and I have a lot of other responsibilities. So I, this is like my uh, labor of love, if you will. Yeah. I do this out of passion. I don't mm. make any money doing this. In fact, it costs me money to do to put on this show. Mm. And I don't say that to Merit your pity for me. Be a I'm not, ba- be a patron. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am it, not it. fishing <laughs> for your sympathy. <laughs> but as you hear in the intro to this show, there is an option to to give to the show if you do believe in this and you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, if you just want to give a dollar or something, that's great. If you don't, I don't. I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. There's tons of podcasts that I listen to, and I don't give them a dime. Mm-hmm. So. There's there's no guilt trip. This is hundred percent free for you to enjoy and hopefully gain something from, right neck, you think there's absolutely to be gained. Yeah. So yeah, but eventually hopefully this can turn into something where there's more of a conversation happening and we hear from you guys and what your thoughts are and
1: Yeah, we love emails. We love uh Voicemail communication from you, man. Guys. It's been
0: so long since we've had a voicemail. Oh, Somebody should yeah. just call us and leave us a voicemail.
1: Do it right now. Just do it now. Pause it and call us. Yes, <laughs> just do it now. So,
0: um, yeah. One thing though, if if you do want to help the show, and I I promise I'm about to wrap it up. Uh, if you do want to help the show, because you like what we're doing, one thing that isn't going to cost you any money at all. Two things actually, but the first, uh, share the show. Okay, hop on your social media, your Facebook, your Twitter, whatever you're on the most, and uh, just tweet out or make a post about this episode or any episode that you like and just say, hey, you know, uh, been listening to this podcast, really like it, check it out. Would, Would really, really appreciate that. Yeah. And the second thing you can do that doesn't cost you anything except just a little bit more time than the first option is to hop on iTunes or Stitcher if you're an Android user and you listen there and and leave us a nice review for the show mm. give us five stars if you if you like it if yeah. you kinda like it four stars if you oh. don't like it at all no stars keep your review to yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so uh, if you do any of those things at all I would just super duper appreciate that and uh, yeah and like we said there is a there is an Every Last chop Club and um I don't know if well yeah that's up there so do what you will with that take a look everylastjobpodcast.com for all the information so thanks a lot we're gonna get out of here thanks guys see ya next time